Cool. That was weird. Yeah. Right. I'll start again then. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome back to the Next Gen 15 podcast. This is episode two. If you missed episode one, do check it out. Um, but we're here on Zoom this week. Um, I'm Angus Savage. Dan Richards with me, as always, as he will be all throughout these podcasts. Um, you can catch us on YouTube, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you fancy getting your podcasts. I think it's just about up and running everywhere now. It took us a couple of days to get it all launched on everything. Um, if you want to get us, get in touch with us on social media, by the way, we've had loads and loads of requests for schools that we want to get involved and things like that. Um, big shout outs all week. So it's at NextGen15 on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And apparently you can also catch us on TikTok. There's someone much younger that's uh, sorting all of that out. Don't you worry. Uh, but yeah, do send in topics you want us to talk about, shout outs for people. We've even got happy birthday requests in here. So there's all sorts to get through. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me about anything that's uh, not necessarily what you want on the Next Gen 15 forum, it's at Angus Savage XV and we'll work out whether we want it on here or not. Um, Dan, first of all, though, how are you getting on? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Uh, what an incredible first weekend for scoreboard rugby. And, you know, from starting on Friday with some incredible games, right through to Sunday with the, with the phenomenal games uh, up at Sedbur that you know, we, we were so lucky to have uh, on the live stream and, and great games across the country. Some really close games, which interesting, and, and some teams sticking their hands up. So lots to talk about, uh, lot, lots to discuss and lots to look forward to. So yeah, yeah really excited to get going. Yeah, plenty to get stuck into. And it was it was such a weird, well, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole country's away, but it was such a weird start to the, to the weekend. I mean, it, so much excitement about the fact that it was going to be the opening weekend of the school season. Everyone's sort of getting their team sheets in and all the rest of it. And then suddenly, obviously, the Queen dies and, and the world the world changes on its axis almost immediately. We thought rugby was gone completely and then rugby was back for a bit and then it was gone again and then it was back again. And then we had live streams that were they live, were they not? But we ended up getting rugby underway and, uh, and that was great. So we will... Um, We'll get stuck into that because realistically, that is where it's at. And that was where the excitement was. Um, and I think we're going to sort of start in a bit of reverse, I think, because, you know, it's, it's useful to start where we've, where we've got footage, I suppose. And that's with the school's championship. Um, I was up there in Sedbird watching Millfield v Clifton in the, in the sort of um, uh, showcase game beforehand. And then obviously school's championship game number one, Sedbird against Whitgift, which was a, a very special occasion. Uh, we finally got to release the footage yesterday, and uh, the response has been great. But um, I, know, I know that you've you've had a look as well. What what a couple of games! Uh, phenomenal games, and and yeah, you know, probably a bit oversight for me. That's not not mentioned at the start the the context of, of this weekend. I thought what was hugely impressive was was the manner in which you know the the games went off on Sunday and I'm sure that was repeated around the country where, where games when I hit I know you know, minute silence everywhere lots of games played in a really good spirit you know and you know when you saw I put said you know the, the boys lining up side by side in, in alternate teams and things like that and I know things like that, the boys were eating together and stuff like that and I'm you know to see those things repeated uh to really display the values of the game at a time uh, at such a difficult time uh, for the country was was really important. On the pitch, I mean, Millfield Clifton was was just phenomenal um, in terms of you know really Clifton, as we talked about last week, put down a marker. They looked like 
if not the side to be in the country, you know, certainly in that in in that top handful. And and I think what's you know, I think you've actually still got a really good Millfield side there. You know, that we shouldn't discount Millfield now because they've lost the game and, and that's why we took, you know, one of my issues with some of the formats is you lose a game, you're no longer in the running. Um that Millfield side is a, is a top top side and I think that will I think that will be proven uh, as as results are borne out in results over the next few weeks. Uh, in terms of how the game went, um, look, there was there was loads of skill players uh, on display, and I know that I'm sure you'll talk about uh, you know some of that that Clifton backline uh, in a minute. Um, but but I just wanted to focus on on the battle up front. Probably a bit of bias from there. I thought that one of the best, <laughs> yeah, one of the best battles of front rows um, that I've seen in a schoolboy game for a long time. I thought you know. Yoan Emmanuel and George Payne and um, going up against each other was just, you know, you don't we don't often talk about scrum battles. I know we're going to talk about front rows uh, later in, in, in the pod. Um, you know, they, they both look ready for the next step. You know, they're they're great in the loose. They and yeah, you know, when I thought those were scrum time, I was I was kind of fascinated by that and kind of at different times. Clifton started really on top, really putting Millfield under pressure. And the Millfield scrum really came back at the Clifton scrum. Um, and, you know, also with that, you know, obviously Louis Trevor um, on, in the Clifton scrum, just, just he, a phenomenal player. He was player. a freak was in the loose as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and that try, which I've asked, you know, which you, know, you should talk about now, was, was just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, you know, it was that Clifton victory was, was based upon a really powerful performance up front that, that gave those phenomenal backs of platform. Yeah, it really was. And I mean, we spoke a little bit beforehand um, about, you know, the fact that Millfield actually, as you say there, they're, they're a seriously top side. And the thing that highlighted it for me the most was the, the way that they were able to actually keep Clifton off the scoreboard for as long as they did. I think an awful lot of teams would have collapsed under that pressure quite early. Um, yeah. And they wouldn't have been at fault really for doing so. You know, it was a phenomenal amount of power and energy that was that was coming across. Um, so to to actually be able to stick it out for for as long as they did, and to find a way actually to get across the line themselves through power, really actually said an awful yeah. lot about the strength of that Millfield side. You know, if you haven't watched it, go and have a look at it. It's 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 a great showcase for the level of the game we're talking about. There's a key moment in there. Uh, around the 50 minute mark for I think the 49th minute where there's a breakdown penalty that from a bit of quick thinking from uh, Eamon Rogers at 10 leads to a try that, that probably puts the game uh, out of reach but again you know people will talk a lot about that moment of creativity but it's it's the breakdown penalty that that, that won it and you know there was a few kind of there's a couple of key moments in there that Millfield could look at and I'm sure you know you'd feel a bit. There's a couple of malls that got stopped that yeah. you might have wanted a different decision if you were supporting the blue stripe. Um, yeah, they, they could have that game. You know, games are swung on key moments, and and that was pivotal in that game. But the quick thinking of of Eamon Rogers, you know, helped kind of put put the knife in the heart. I, th- I thought Eamon Rogers had a fantastic game as well. Yeah, yeah I thought, no, I thought he was, Aim- he, he was absolutely was superb. As was Tom Bowen. Yeah, 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 and I think in yeah, Eamon, Eamon and Tom Bowen look like I think two backs we'll talk a lot about as well as uh, Isaac Campbell Wu, who you know just 
brought such power again to, to that midfield and yeah some real big spot tackles so yeah fantastic yeah and and announced uh, announced on air at the start of the game that they're they're looking to join the school's championship for for 2023 which is uh which is pretty cool um it's good to yeah. see that sides are from the off going yeah this is something i want to be a part of um yeah. i'll tell you what clifton lied to it a big way i mean well they, they added to it in a big way on Saturday and they are they are or on Sunday rather and they're going to add to it in a massive way going forward. I can't wait to watch them for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the season as well. Um, but I tell you what, I can't wait to watch Sedborough again as well. <laughs> I I don't think they played that well, and they were still just clinically ruthless when they got when they got the opportunity to put the ball through it. Probably two three passes once they're on the front foot, they just looked un, unplayable. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know. Well, I've written down ruthless, muscular, slick. Um, you know, as kind of when I've tried to summarise their performance. I think Whitgift will go a little bit disappointed. With I thought the defensive breakdown work was really good. They got some penalties. I think they'll be a little bit frustrated with some of their attacking breakdown stuff and some of their some of their set piece stuff. Um, that that I think because you know line is a massive launch pad in in schoolboy rugby and when you lose that um, it, it's difficult but you've got to give a bit of credit to Sedbuck for taking that away from from Whitgift and I still think again as we said with Millfield that's a really talented Whitgift side you know even without the international there's there's some really good players and they are you know I really liked their their second row back row the back five of that scrum I thought they worked phenomenally hard um you know not the biggest boys but really good testament to what a good schoolboy back five looks like it's it's always amazing with Sedba you know you, you talked about in comms that they base everything on the defense they build from there people don't think and spot on their attack is it looks so simple they they basically almost play a round team they do it to lots of teams and it looks like oh well you just hold your depth and you pass accurately and you get outside line speed but it really isn't that easy, <laughs> you know. They're, 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 There's a reason New Zealand were basically doing that, and no one else could do it. Hundred <laughs> percent, you know. And you know, it's you know, to the credit that all the coaches that they do that that Noxie does that, that, you know, a lot of their tries came through breaks in the wide channel. You know, there's a reason. You know, Tom scored a lot of points, you know, because they were getting there. They were getting outside with gifts. That isn't a bad defensive press from with gifts. You know, sometimes lost a bit of connection, but overall pretty good. Um, but the accuracy of of, of said in just the accuracy of catch pass at pace is was in, was incredible and, yeah. and and always is um and you know it's so hard to defend against basics done that well um you know we can overcomplicate our game sometimes um fundamentally it's simple you know if you can yeah. win collisions and if you can catch pass really well you'll probably be pretty good uh, and that's what said showed on Sunday, um. yeah, absolutely, and I think that you know Sebba's there. There are obviously some unbelievably talented players there. Um, there's no, there's no getting away from that. But the um, it, it is the way that they work together, as as you say, and, and as I kind of mentioned in commentary, through defence and, and in attack. But they also they just have these absolute game breakers. I mean, Ben Redshaw obviously is yeah. is a quality player at twelve, but you know it was all about Tom Burton at fifteen in the end, who was just running some fantastic lines, but just had that confidence that you sometimes see in a in a schoolboy player to just go, yeah, back myself, 
and he just went for it. Yeah. It was so good to watch. And, you know, what a moment. First game of the season, hat-trick on the live stream. He's going to remember that for a while. Yeah, and that's that's one of the beautiful things about, about schoolboy games. That's a moment that, that Tom and his family and his mates can can take with them forever. You know, that that will never be forgotten, regardless of what happens with with, with Tom's rugby. You know, that's something that, that he can cherish forever. But again, going back to, you know, the, I thought, you know, Glover and Ivers, you know, created... Yeah such a platform you know those those guys can't do what they do those without that platform and and, you know Glover's carrying particularly was you know abrasive and that's hard to stop you know he he looks like someone you know to to really keep an eye on in terms of that the way he carries and and fights the tackle was was really impressive yeah and he he sent the sent he set the tone rather I thought he had two massive carries within the first two three minutes of the game and I think it just, I always think sometimes first game of the season, you need someone who just kind of um, does set that tone that just everyone goes, okay, we're we're in it. We're in it today. He just set up a phenomenal platform right from the off. Yeah, no, it, he was, and again, the starter games shouldn't be underestimated. You know, you could look at the scoreline of that game and think it was one-sided, but that game was was not one-sided. You know, when, when Whitgift, even when Whitgift scored at 24-10, you know, you think, okay, what's something might happen here? Whitgift can, can fight back. But away, that's hard. And I thought there was actually, I think it's Sam Gareth Smith, the second row, just nearly got an interception really early that, that led to a scrum. You think, oh, if they get that intercept try and, yeah. and score away from home, you know, that, that, you know, that maybe that quietens down the bagpipes, it takes away from that kind of celebratory atmosphere uh, away. And you can, you know, if you could go in front, in the end, Sedba took the lead and kind of controlled a lot of the game from there. And yeah, we talked last week, going away from home in schoolboy rugby is really hard. It's hard at any level of game and almost, I think, gets exponentially harder the further you go. Yeah. Um, and so to, to go up from, from Croydon up, up to Cumbria, that's a hard task. And, you know, that scoreline, I don't think reflects the, the quality of that wiki side, that they'll bounce back and, you know, we've got two school championship sides, you know, in Whitgift and Wellington, who lost their opening encounters, uh, which shows that there's really good sides outside of the school's championship. We know that. We talked about that last week. And two sides will be looking to to bounce back and, and fire into each other in a game that you know, play for the Seb AO trophy that, that's already a, a really big occasion. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's, there's a few bits I want to get into kind of off the back of that. But there's one thing I want to do just, just first, because it's one of our Instagram points that someone came in with, which is, uh, I want to give a shout out to Josh Marlowe, who scored two tries on his debut in the lower sixth. I think on commentary, I was calling him uh, something else because the numbers were, weren't were written down correctly on the team Blame sheet. The coach. So, Blame the coach. Oh, yeah. Well, well, what is Noxie playing at? Fill in your team sheet, right, <laughs> mate. Um, but no, it was, uh, yeah, Josh Marlowe, two tries two tries on his debut. So he he deserves a shout out because he, he missed his moment in the sun uh, from oh. a commentary point of view. But fortunately, when he grows older, he'll be able to meet me and he'll just be able, he'll be able to watch the yeah. footage. So he's got the right. clips. He's got the clips. Exactly. <laughs> he'll be all right. Um, but the sort of wider thing on on that game, or both of those games, was about, you know, you got four schools all coming together to one place. There was a dinner on the Saturday night. Um, I was fortunate enough to have beaten the traffic sufficiently to actually be at dinner, um, which was a good effort because I was on a stag the day before. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was working I was working hard to get myself from A to B. Um but it was amazing. So they had a dinner and uh, all four sides in, 
in the uh, in the sports hall actually the Queen's Hall up at um, up at Sedbert and um, immediately Noxie just stood up Simon Mulholland the um, the Sedbert director of rugby stood up and went right everyone on your feet find your find your opposite man find the guys from the other game that play in your uh, in your position as well you guys are on tables together so you had all the centers on one table all the fly halves and scrum halves on another table all the second rows on another one it was it was really cool and and set the tone and you know you separate separate are very good at that they um they've got a real sort of understanding of that but it I think that's the that's the bit. There's a wider context in terms of school rugby on that because that's what school rugby kind of is all about. It's about more than just what happens on the field. It's about setting a tone and setting. You know, we talk about values of the game, and sometimes people turn their noses up at it, but it really is about setting a sort of a mindset and a way of being. Yeah, I think uh, probably the <laughs> cynically the professional game talks about values a lot uh doesn't always practice what it preaches um and i understand why it's a business at the end of the day it's a result but you know the schoolboy game you don't have that results pressure of course everybody wants to win but if you speak to directors of rugby they will say you know they they want all the young people under their care to emerge from their program with rugby having taught them something that will equip them for for later life you know whether that's the friends you make that you learn a bit of resilience that you learn a bit of humility uh, that you learn actually a bit of confidence you know that, that different people need need different things from the game um and and there is great friends you know whilst we can there's huge rivalries in in schoolboy rugby loads of the guys know each other you know that's the nature of now where yeah. the world is more connected than ever before and i always love it when you know after games you'll see guys in their respective first 15 shirts who have you know might have played club rugby together they might have gone to primary school or prep school together and they'll be having photos taken with each other's family and it's great like there's they're really fantastic moments that that a lot of people don't see uh, and again that dinner's superb you know it's the kind of thing that at the schools I've worked at you try to do a lot you know when you go overseas you always do it I know you've been up to Broad Street we do exactly that after the Broad Street game you get the boys in and they sit down with their opposite number have a chat and you know yes it's gladiatorial and, and rugby you know this is a bit of a cliche I know that that you know you go and knock 10 bells and you shake hands after it but the schoolboy game is really good at that um, and we actually need to appreciate that that's an important thing for, for young people you know to be able to switch on really competitive do all i can to win whistle's gone you know yeah i think that you know that's the bit that people um love about school rugby and, and a, you know it's certainly a big reason why why i wanted to be involved in it is that um yeah that that camaraderie that you get um i i think it's more heightened than it is anywhere else in the game to be honest at a school level um partly because schools work so hard to to ensure it um but we've got to get on and look at the rugby that's to come because i tell you what we've got some absolutely incredible fixtures to come um but i'm talking nonsense because i want to look at what's been um <laughs> because i want to start with uh with yeah the results that, that we had last week we picked out every week we pick out 10 games to look at we've obviously covered a couple of them there warwick bromsgrove from that list of 10 was sadly one of the games that was was cancelled in the sort of um in the wake of the death of the Queen. 
Um, but that still leaves plenty of others to get through. And I want to start with the Friday night fixture, which was Hampton against Seaford College over at over at Cobham. We actually we had someone down there having a having a look at that game. Um, I'll be honest, I thought Seaford had that one that one nailed down before the season started. They had a really good Colts group, a strong lower sixth. But um, Hampton, with a slightly more experienced side on a on a wet and horrible night at Cobham and a, a 24-6 victory for them, that, that really took me by surprise. And fair play to Hampton, that, that bodes really well for them. Yeah, I think I would have been with you, mate. I think it's the way Steve have been building in, a couple, in the last couple of years. You know, that programme looks ready to, to take the next step. Um, yeah, maybe that helped fire Hampton up a bit. You know, you know, Hampton looked really good at the President's Cup. Maybe we, we didn't give him enough credit for that, you know, in getting to the final against Ipswich. But but that would now, you know, it's interesting. You get the results in week one that teams suddenly take a jump. Obviously, we learn a bit more going through week two and week three. But but Hampton, you would now, again, maybe back to being in that kind of you know, top 10-ish conversation. And, you know, they'll be excited about going off to St. Joe's. They'll put a lot of emphasis on that. So, you know, an exciting group there and really nice for... Randy Beattie works really hard over there to um, be taking that over from Sean to, to to get that win. I'm sure him and Sean. I'm, guess, I'm sure there was a bit of chat in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, like like really well, like great result for Hampton and, and delighted for them because it's, it's a great school, great program. Yeah, and I was I was really impressed by that one. Um, another one in the top ten, Oakham beating Rugby twenty nine fourteen away from home. That's a strong result from Oakham because. I think anyone winning at rugby is always just a little bit special. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one that, well, another one that really jumped out to me, Brighton College, 29-0 against Tunbridge. That's a that's a really solid start for Brighton College. Uh, last week, we spoke a little bit about, you know, the work that Nick Boyd does down there, but um, looks like looks like the team are off to, uh, to a very a very good start there. Yeah, yeah. Hope, yeah, maybe we've got another kind of classic Brighton team. And again, we'll, we'll see as, as we go along and, and we'll learn a bit more as we see you know, that result is an interesting, you know, it will get put into context over the next few weeks, I guess, as we see what happens, but it, it looks on the face of it, based purely on on what we expected. Uh, we didn't expect, I expected that game to be closer and, and fair play to Brighton. I'm sure Tunbridge will want to, you know, turn that around pretty quickly. That's a very proud programme uh, and, and they'll want to fly out the blocks this week to, to prove things, but no, like, great start from Brighton there, yeah. Yeah, big time. Um, another one that really jumped off the page for me, you know, Daily Mail Trophy champions, um, Berkhamstead, off off to off to to a winning start. But I think the real story there is is how close RGS High Wickham ran them. You know, a, a six seven defeat, absolutely fantastic. And um, just looking through our sort of social media input that we've had from uh, from some of the listeners who who were desperate for us to talk about RGS High Wickham because they host St John's Leatherhead next weekend, who only lost 29-27 to Hurstby Point College on Saturday. So you've got two teams there that are going head-to-head, having just narrowly missed out. Yeah. Um, but from an RGS High Wickham perspective, that's a really a really good start. The, you know, the, the fact that it's it's an L rather than a W shouldn't um, shouldn't worry them too much because that's a I think that's a really strong effort. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very aware of not wanting to sound patronising um, because I, you know, I just say Wickham have had some of the great schoolboy teams and produced some of the great schoolboy players. Um, you know, Christian Wade just signed back for you know, Racing 92 back in Rugby Union, you know, and, and there's there's countless names that come through that school. But 
if ever a loss would go down as a win, you know, this year, I think in terms of what they do, the context they're in, you know, um, the recruitment that both schools are able to do uh, at, at 16 um, and 11 uh, is, that's, that's huge. That was a massive, you know, I didn't expect that. And I think it shows the change in nature at school boy rugby. You know, you can go from being you know, right at the top to, to, to not quite there. And, and, and it'd be really nice if this was, you know, if RGS started knocking on that door again, because because we yeah you know, they've been a name that we've missed from from fighting right at the very top echelons of of schoolboy rugby in the last kind of five years or so. so. Massively, so yeah, and and it, actually, it speaks to something that I want to just sort of dig in on a bit in a in a little while about just how, how close and and tight a lot of the games are or have been in this in this opening week. But we, we've got a few more to rattle through first. Um, We've got a live stream on Friday night, Ipswich School against Northampton School for Boys. Join us at 7.30pm on Friday for that. Ipswich off to an absolute flyer, 69-0 against Uppingham. I don't really want to get into it too much because, you know, it's a tough one for Uppingham to take and uh, and we know that we know how good Ipswich are. But I suppose the the one little bit of context uh, for me is just that it, it, it is a sign of, of just what quality this Ipswich school side has. And... Um, yeah, they're they're definitely a team a team to be looking out for, and and you know uh, tune in on Friday basically because um, you're going to be witnessing a pretty a pretty special team. Yeah, look, NSB have had a really close game with with Denston. That'll be two. That would have been an incredibly physical game. The way those two schools go about it. I do actually. They just on the Ipswich uh, game. I want to give a shout out to fly half George Herbert because it was he's the man whose birthday it was. George Herbert, nice. happy, happy birthday. birthday for the weekend. Um, just sort of rattling through some other games and from that uh, 10 to watch. Um, Stamford, 12-10 against Stowe. One of those close games we've been talking yeah. about, but we know how good Stowe were going to be. I thought originally that they were without their under-18 internationals as well, but it turns out after Northampton Saints Premiership Cup game was uh, was canned, um, Stowe had their had their internationals, which just says even more about that Um that performance and that result for from Stamford and marks them out as a side that we should really be keeping an eye on this year because we know that Stowe are good. There's there's one more game obviously in that in that um, ten to watch from the weekend that we're going to get into. But just before we do, um, I was just been scrolling through my notes and picked up another couple of little tidbits that I wanted to get out there uh, about some of the teams in, that were involved in the top ten. Hampton, they're under 16s in the, against Seaford College, also won, but came back from 21-3 down to win 29-28. So fair play. There's obviously some depth at Hampton, but also some real spirit going on. Yeah. Um, and then just sort of within that context, Brighton and Hampton going up against each other on Friday night. We'll get into the fixtures to come, but there's there's some interesting stuff already starting yeah. to emerge in that sort of circle. Um, but into that final game from the 10 to watch, Wellington College against Harrow. Massive game, of course. Um, the school's championship side, Wellington College, against a side that perhaps might be looking to to work their way towards that in Harrow. Uh, obviously, you've got you've got a, a little bit of skin <laughs> in the game, um, but a stunning effort from Harrow, twenty one fifteen, a performance of unbelievable strength and physicality, and and twenty one fifteen in the end probably quite good for, for Wellington College, given where the game was at, sort of with with a, with a not too long left on the clock. Yeah, I'll, it's obviously hard for me to be completely neutral on this, and I, and I won't even try and pretend to be. Um, but I think, so, kind of caveat to that before I speak, huge credit goes 
to, to Harrow. You know, uh, James Melville, the head of rugby, but and, and the boys, you know, to, to go away, open day of the season, to a big side. You know, the things I talked about last week is that's a phenomenal result. Um, yeah, it will hurt Wellington, you know, it was a, uh, in terms of the way the game panned out for the first 60 minutes. You want to put a positive spin on it. You talk about where you finished well. You've got to try and carry a bit of momentum from that last 10 minutes now into the next week. Um, there's huge amounts to learn uh, in terms of, again, similar things around which, you know, they'll, they'll want to improve some set-piece stuff, improve some breakdowns. Stuff. So there'll be key areas looking at the stream, you know, for those you watch, you know, look for that battle, because I think that could be a, a key one going, going into this Saturday. Um but we have to get again give credit to, to that Harrow team. There's phenomenal players through that side. You know, I thought they they looked so in tune with, with each other. They looked very much on the same page, you know, of single mind, of single purpose, and they did everything required to get a in the end a, a pretty co convincing win. Um that will shake Wellington, and I'm sure they want to bounce, but we have to give huge credit to Harrow, like a phenomenal performance there on the opening day. Yeah, and I think, you know, they were leading into the season, high expectations of Harrow, you know, a, a good Colts group, a good uh, a good group of low sixth from last year coming through. Um, yeah, the, we were expecting them to be very good. Um, we spoke yeah. last week about the fact that we thought that we thought that um, they would be putting the, the pressure on in a big way and that actually probably the big test for them was could they go to a place that is as hard to play at as as big side at Wellington and, and do the job and they've they've proved that straight away and and I you know I think the uh, the early season expectations on them um look well founded um for a Wellington college context from from my point of view just makes me really excited about the fact that we've got them on the live stream on Saturday 2:30 kickoff against uh, against Whitgift catch them on the live stream in the school's championship but yeah that's as we mentioned before that's Two sides that that have been on the end, the wrong end of the uh, the scoreboard, in the first week, they will have learned a huge amount. I mean, that was a big thing that that emerged up at up at Sepa was the the amount everyone was was prepared to focus on what they can learn, particularly from defeat. And and those two are going to have learned a huge amount um, post weekend, and then coming into Saturday, I think that just sets up to be to be an absolutely brilliant occasion because they are both going to be flying out and uh you know you you know what 17 18 year old kids are like they they their heads are going to be in in a in a seriously competitive place i would have thought but the the key thing um this weekend was was just how close some of the games are i mean we've already mentioned it hurstpier point college 29 27 against st john's leatherhead denston college away at nsb uh nsb who of course are on the live stream on friday um just going down 11-12 against Denston. Collegiate, who of course were, were Colston's, going to RGS Worcester and winning 22-21. I don't know about you, I think that's a really impressive result because RGS Worcester yeah. have been sort of knocking knocking on the door a little bit recently. Yeah, um, no, that's it. And, and great to see them pushing again. So yeah, it's great. We, we yeah. want them back in bulk. Well, 100%. You know, it's a, it, school rugby feels sort of, feels in a good place when Colston's or Collegiate, as they're now, they're now called, are... Um, uh, uh, sort of knocking on the door, doesn't it? Mm, um, the other one that you know stood out again, KCS Wimbledon were were absolutely fantastic last year. The you know different sides, different years, of course, but there's, there's obviously a, a decent amount of player carryover. But Reeds travelled there at the weekend and, and picked up a, a tight a tight victory as well, which 
I think probably says a fair bit about Reeds. I know they've been quite busy pre-season. Yeah, and it's, again, Reeds, a team who, a few years ago, you know, really strong. Jack Kenningham, who's now starting for, for Quinns, you know, came out of there. There's a few of the guys who've gone on to play really good Bucks Super Rugby. So nice to see them again. Uh, they're, you know, Steve Pope, Tony Talbot um, have, have always run a really kind of disciplined programme there where they get the most out of, out of the boys and the boys really buy into it. So so really good to to, to see them fine at, at the top end again. Um, so yeah, great result for Reeds. Yeah, massively so. Uh, and then we get into what I think are certainly outside of that sort of 10 to watch, what I think are probably the two outstanding results of the, of the weekend. Old Swinford Hostel travelling to Monmouth, which regardless of the level of any Monmouth side in any given year, I happen to think this is probably quite a strong Monmouth side. It's a horribly difficult place to go. And Old Swinford Hostel went there, played an absolute thriller of a game, 60 points shared, but Old Swinford Hostel come out on top 31-29. That's, that's a standout. Yeah, I mean, exactly as you said, I think that the the way around that is the fact they've gone away um, is makes it even more special. Monmouth, we just talked about Stamford, a team who's very proud at home, lots of schools very proud at home. Monmouth would be in that conversation, you know, tough places to to, to go and play um, and pride themselves on that. And yeah, great from Oldsman Hospital. Yeah, we'll kind of, they've got another tough fixture uh, coming up this week where they take on, arguably, you know, what looks to be one of the best one or two sides in the country. So we'll learn a huge amount. Um, but yeah, hats off and, and great to see them getting that sort of result to start. But again, I think Monmouth looks strong as well. So I'm sure they'll, they'll look to bounce back and get a strong result this weekend. Yeah, massively. It, it whets the appetite for that Clifton Old Symphony Hospital game in a, in a big way. We'll, um, we'll find out a lot on that. Yeah. Um, but then what I, I think is just an absolute an absolute stunner of a game is um, Epsom College against against RGS Guildford. RGS Guildford, 15-10 victory. First time in 11 years that they've got the better of Epsom College. Um, difficult place to go. RGS, you know, if you've not won in 11 years against someone, you're probably not turning up with a huge amount of expectation, but what a fantastic effort from them. Oh, just amazing. For me, the result of the weekend, you know, just pip in Old Swinford Hospital you know I think in most of the weeks that would be the result of the week but that is the result of the weekend uh, for me um, that Epsom programme has been flying you know like since since Paul Burke has, has gone in there you know they've recruited out at 16 they work really hard on on getting boys in at 11 13 they are you know rightly ambitious to, to establish themselves as a, as a top top school you know they've not lost some stronger fixtures and they want to get them back. They've been to Champions Trophies finals and things like that. They've produced a lot of boys who've gone on who are now in the pro game. Um, RGS Guildford, you know, have very different challenges, you know, and a hyper-academic institution. Uh, you know, they won't have the same room in terms of making allowances around around entrance. And what Ben Dudley has done there for a, for a few years um, is just slowly build making RGS Guildford more competitive, you know, you know historically a, a great school going back to the likes of, of Jack Clifford and, and, and stuff like that. Um, so great to see them. Hopefully the start of what could be a vintage year for RGS Guildford. Really excited to see how they go. If I could have watched one of the games from the weekend, I, I would love to have seen that. Just 
I'm fascinated to know kind of how that panned out because there's a huge amount of talent in that in that Epson team. Mm. Um, I don't know much about the Argus Field team. I, I will admit, so I'm keen to learn more and will be keen to watch them as, as we move forward. Yeah, massively. I'm the same as you. I, I would have loved to have been able to to see that one in person. And to be honest, the bit I would have loved to see in person is the uh, is the end of the game. Is, is the RGS the RGS boys at the end of yeah. it because they'll be loving it. And do you know what? Even if even if it yeah, the season sort of tails off from this point onwards, which I don't think it will. I think after something like that, they'll be they'll be flying. But even if it was to, they will remember how it felt coming off that pitch and what the yeah. bus journey back was like forever. You remember those little things, and that's really what the whole the whole thing is about. Um, I, we're going to get into it. So a feature I used to do um, before we started podcasting was top five school teams of the weekend. Uh, every every week so we're going to have a go at that it's going to be more interesting than it used to be because i'm actually going to get some pushback which is great (laughs) (laughs) used to used to be a dictatorship in the in these parts but now now i'm going to get now i'm going to get a bit of a bit of competition on it um but before i do that i just want to give a quick shout out to a couple of teens who just yeah they stood out a little bit to me kings macclesfield going away to rgs lancaster uh barnard castle away at Hymer's college Cheltenham College at home against Bloxham, Eton College against John Fisher, yeah. a fixture that went from being away back to home, and it's quite a special fixture. And Eton are yeah. aside, I think they're worth keeping an eye on. Haleybury against Felstead, two schools that I just quite, I quite admire what both of them, what both of them do. Um, and Haleybury coming out the right side of that one, eighteen nine, and then a shout yeah. out to Caterham. You know, we were down there last week. Um, hosted the the opening podcast of the season and uh, did the business on the field as well. That grass was obviously cut perfectly because uh, thirty seven seven victory against Seven Oaks. So fair play, Caterham. Well well done. Good start. Yeah, yeah. Chuck for Caterham. Great start. And that's a you know, that's that's a really even game. Say games. Yeah, that that block will have been tight. So that will just be that the way that's gone and well played. I think going back to the Haleybury game, you know, it's Haleybury a, a pro a program that doesn't get talked about a lot, but you know, Michael Owen. Obviously, Corn British Lions captain does an incredible job there, and yeah, that that start against the Felstead side that that's been strong for a long time. That's let's Haleybury, I think, be a team to watch as as we go through the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely, um, and I think we actually have a live stream of them up at up at Stonex against Blundell, nice. your, your old school in yeah, nice. Cu- That'll be a good game. couple of weeks. Should be a decent one. That um, more detail on that once my uh, once my memory is sorted. Um, <laughs> But into the top five schools of the weekend. So we we had a shortlist of seven, and then I'd got it yeah. wrong. So it's now a shortlist of eight. And the eight schools are Hampton, Ipswich, Clifton College, Sedbert, Stamford, Harrow, RGS Guildford, and Old Swinford Hospital. Um, lots and lots of other schools, obviously, with, with fantastic starts to the season. And I always think in the first couple of weeks of the season, this is so difficult to do because there's not a huge amount of context to what's happened, you know, you it takes a couple of weeks to settle into a pattern of understanding how good certain opposition are and things. But just in terms of in terms of performances that that stood out, those eight um, those eight for the were the ones. So for me, non yeah. non negotiables. Yeah. All right. Harrow in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fair play, hats So I guess that that was that was not me disagreeing. That's just the, that's, that's my it's just that it's yeah. just that bitter pill to swallow. That's yeah. the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. That's Go the on. one. Yeah. Um, Clifton College for me. 
yeah, I think that whoever won that game, I think had to be in there. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that's, yeah, again, potentially our, our pre-season top two, but they both have, have, have shone on the opening weekend. Well, I think they've both done, they both responded to the challenge that we felt they had, which was travelling away to a difficult place, in Clifton's case, an unfamiliar place that you knew yeah. was going to be difficult against a good team. Yeah. And coming up with the performance, that's the bit that does it for me. It's it's yeah. It's it's yeah, it's no, overcoming no, no, overcoming the hurdles. So we've got two of them. We're not gonna no, set, we're not gonna we're not gonna go one, two, three, four, five, by the way. we it's just yeah, yeah, five yeah. teams that have done well. Yes, there's five. no we don't want to be ranking anyone. Um so there's there's debate for me. I think one we may end up losing, or me, mm. one of the ones that I think we can agree probably, although you may disagree with me. But one of the ones we can probably get rid of is Ipswich. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's and I don't mean to be disrespectful to what they've done, but I, you know, I think I want to see them in a tougher game. Like we, let's let's see how we go forward. Uh, I think they'll be a team to watch. Um, but yeah, it's a it, they they've done probably what they should do there. I would without being disrespectful to Effingham. Um I think that's yeah, I would concur. I'm not sure that would be his top five of the weekend. Yeah, I'm with you there, and not just because I'm wrapping a mole boy, and I don't, I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like what happened there. <laughs> um, who else have we got then? Let's talk about Sebba. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic effort, good yeah. performance, in part, yeah. clinical yeah. when it counted. I don't so think they were at their best. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, so I, so we can't park Sebba for a minute. I, I would go to I think RGS Guild would have to be in there. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of what they've what they've done, they'd be, as I just said, my my team of the week. So if you are happy with that, that kind of takes us to, to three. Yeah, I'm with you. I think RGS Guildford were and yeah, that's that's the performance of the weekend. weekend. Yeah. So then you can't I think you've got two spots for three teams. And I would say that's that's Hampton, Sedbert, and Old Swinford Hospital. Um, and I think you'd have to, I would, I would probably actually go like the emotion of that occasion, you know, with everything that was sort of called around it. And, you know, Friday Night Lights is special. I would probably go Hampton and Old Swinford Hospital. I suspect we'll see Sedbert in our top five a lot through the season. Um, as you said, it, it it was an incredible performance, and we, that you know I don't want to take away, but that's that's probably where I'd go. But there's a huge case to be made for for Sedberg getting in. Again, just the fact again that Hampton went on neutral ground, very tight, probably slightly against the odds, and always and Oldham have gone and won away. Um, that would just tip them into that top five slightly ahead of Sedberg for me. But you know, winning forty six ten at home open day against a very strong Wickiff team. <laughs> there's a pretty strong case to be in the top five there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think. See, this is where we start arming and iron because now I'm now I'm because two days ago when I thought about this, I had Clifton not in the top five and I had Sebra in it, and now I've got Clifton in it and Sebra out of it, and I'm, oof, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I, I, th- I think I think I think I think Hampton. You're right. Hampton have to be in it because and Hampton and RGS Guildford, yeah. sorry. Hampton yeah. and RGS Guildford have to be in it because they performed so well, probably against expectation. Um so I'm with you on that. 
Old Swinford Hostel, I'm with you on as well. Away from home at Monmouth. Having, yeah, they've had a good culture year, but the fir- first team have been a, a bit off, a bit off where they might want to be for a few years. I think that's a that's a big one. So we've got three there. I think Harrow have to be there, don't they? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And then they yeah, just got to be. Then, then Harrow, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clifton or well, Sebba. You're the boss. You called the last one. Clifton or Sebba. I think I do lean Clifton. You know. Yeah, I think based on based on the weekend again, there's lots of honourable mentions. You know, bit Sedford, Stamford. Uh, you know, there's. Uh, but it's. I think that looks about right to me. I think yeah, yeah. people disagree. You know, t- tell us, yeah, politely, <laughs> what what you would have had, guys. But it's yeah. Um, yeah, that that I think that's. I'm happy with that. Fair enough then. Right. So the the top five school teams of the weekend: Clifton College. Hampton, Harrow, Old Swinford Hospital and RGS Guildford. Give us a shout if you disagree. I'm sure plenty of you will. Tell us why your team should <laughs> have been in there. You can let us know if you think we got it right. <laughs> you, you've not been in broadcasting long enough. No one ever agrees, no matter what you say. <laughs> right, coming up, we've got a busy, uh, a busy, um, a busy weekend ahead of us. Uh, Friday night, we've touched on both of these uh, already, but our live stream, 7.30, Northampton School for Boys against Ipswich. I think that's probably the tough test we've just been referring to for Ipswich, or at least the first bigger test for them. Um, And Brighton College against Hampton, of course, which we've already already touched on briefly. Um, You know, two teams with fantastic starts to the season last weekend. Mm. A good chance to assess were were those performances in line with expectation it's just that we all had our expectations set wrong or at least in the hampton case had our expectations set wrong or or are these two absolutely brilliant sides who are going to be within a, a couple of points of each other it's going to be it's going to be a cool one to to watch yeah. unfold yeah no i, I think it's you know, two games that and we'll get into that, that jump out of that one i think you can make a case for you know that being a, the game that we you know We'll learn more going to week two. What did those the the context of those week one wins, but also the kind of bounce back game between Seafoods and, and and Epsom, yeah, which will give us again context on the quality of the of, of the team they lost to. That's a that's a big game down at Seaford, you know, and, and and Epsom will have been shocked by that by that loss at home, and I'm sure they've been working really hard to try and put it right, as will have Seaford. So though those are two huge huge games for in different reasons where teams will want to go and put something put something right yeah exactly well i think that's the thing is from their perspective massive games from our perspective on the outside massive games because we know we'll learn something um yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get some real info out of it um elsewhere on saturday we've actually got back-to-back live streams on saturday so the uh, we start at 10 o'clock in the morning with reading blue coat against ship lake college um yeah, not necessarily the most high profile of games, but should actually be a cracker because they're they're two pretty well well matched teams from not far apart from each other, so a bit of local rivalry as well. Um, we're down at Reading Rugby Club too, so that that should be quite special and a really cool way for for these guys to start off. So that one's going to be on the live stream at ten o'clock in the morning, and I think we'll I think we'll learn a fair bit about about both these sides. I had great fun. Like, we did a couple of a couple of live streams of Reading Blue Coat last year on their on their Vars run. Great fun because yeah. they just they loved being a part of it. And um you know for me that's an awful lot of what the school game is, is a part of is just seeing people just yeah. love it and get involved. And I think it's you know we talk about the, the games that get a lot of profile, those kind of 
perceived kind of top schools a lot and that's what I focus but it's I would encourage people to really watch that because what you will see is it isn't just five or six schools that, that are playing really good rugby there are hundreds of schools that are playing really good rugby ship lake college for years under sam beckett um actually an old said um is you know he runs an incredible program there. they're in a really competitive part of the world in terms of where pupils can choose to go for rugby schools and it's a you know and a you know british and irish lions headmaster in, in tyrone how and they they produce some, some great players and some, some great great teams and red and blue coat the same as you say local derby there'll be a bit of extra emotion the boy no, all the boys and parents will will love the fact that that's being streamed so you know that that'll be a great game i agree it'll be a fantastic occasion and a nice way to get your saturday going before you get stuck into the sebanir and lulea trophy yeah exactly and and you know, we'll, we'll move straight into that. And, and I suppose, first of all, uh, a, a, a bit of context on, on why it's called that, the Severdener and Alule uh, Trophy. Uh, an old boy of, of Whitgift and then of Wellington College, England under 18, under 20 international, um, Harlequins and, and Richmond player. Um, big things were expected of him and, and sadly uh, died before he could quite hit, hit those heights. He'd just been... He'd just been sort of in the midst of a pretty good season with Richmond on on Jewel Reg from Quinns, um, and was you know was kind of I suppose in a similar position to where Finn Baxter is now actually, where he was sort of on the cusp of starting to to make that move towards towards Harlequins. Um, but the the game obviously is 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 played for for a trophy in his memory. Uh, and we'll be on the live stream at two thirty, the schools championship, second round of the schools championship. We've talked about it already, but but two teams that probably have a bit of a point to prove going to this one now. I think so. Yeah. And kind of, as I said, most will feel they've got similar points to prove. I think from, and I look a bit, they'll, they will be, they will feel their, their work on in terms of what didn't quite go right. were, were quite similar. So some points then, and both have got some really exciting talent that if those, packs can can get a good platform that actually those guys didn't get a chance to necessarily shine as much as they could have you know in, in their games the respective games last weekend but they'll be relishing the chance to get on the front foot so that that battle up front in that game and I'm, I will always lean towards that but it's <laughs> um you know that's that's a key one to watch for me in terms of who who can generate that quick ball who can you know who can win that battle who can get a bit of ascendancy there um and and then get kind of rocking around because once those teams get on the front foot, either is really hard to stop. So, no, exciting game um, at Wickham this weekend. Massively so. Uh, another one that that really excites me. Oh, by the way, you can two thirty p.m. that kick off on the live stream. Um, another one that really excites me. First game of the season or first sort of proper game of the season for these two Trinity against Cranley. Trinity, obviously, Schools Cup uh, winners last last season. Cranley, you know, always always a tough side to play against. You know, they've had some some absolutely outrageously good teams over the years. They've slightly trimmed down their fixture list of late, but but this one stands out to me as uh, a game to keep an eye on, and one that, and again one that we're probably going to learn quite a lot from. Yeah, it, again, it, it will be that probably a bit of a learning experience for us as kind of observers of of the game. Cranley, you know, new head of rugby. Um, in there with with Andy Houston having gone to be director of school. You know, under Andy, school had you know, success of which I'm not sure they had had before and playing. And so that was, and so is that can they kind of get back to to, to those levels? I guess is that is the challenge now. Um, Trinity, someone we talked about last week. Um, 
this would be a big marker for them. I think if Trinity can, you know, both these teams, you know, probably looking to Trinity to back up, Cranley to kind of get back to pushing to, to where they feel they belong, uh, having been able to, and so getting momentum is massive. So whoever gets over the line in that one will will feel pretty good about the rest of the season, um, I think. So, yeah, no, a really interesting game uh, there at Trinity. Yeah, massively so. I, I'm really interested to see how that one goes. I th- I think there could be big things to come from Trinity again this year, but it, it'll be interesting to see to see how they start. Um, another one that, that jumps off the page to me, Barnard Castle against Woodhouse Grove. Yeah, the... I think the north of the country probably gets a bit of a raw deal sometimes in terms of the uh, in, t- in terms of the sort of headline fixtures that get talked about. But um, this is a monster of a fixture. You know, Barnard Castle obviously is sort of legends of the school scene and of uh, kind of getting back to somewhere close to where they were. Um, at Woodhouse Grove, kind of while Barnard Castle weren't where they once were, in many ways sort of filled that gap. Um, yeah, they've had some really good teams over the years, so uh, that'll be a, that'll be a good one. Yeah, I think it'd be amazing, and and you're right there about the north, north of the country in terms of coverage, and you know, I again try. I I need to learn more about it. As I said my my career has been spent down south, so have more knowledge of, about that that area of, of the schoolboy game. Barnard Castle, as I said, I think definitely got the most. I I, I love the Barnard Castle shirt, the, the the diamonds, and it's it was a shame when they dropped off for a bit. You know, having produced so many great teams, as you said Woodhouse Grove filled that, so a little bit of kind of bragging rights you've probably got at the moment you know Sedbert as kind of the main team in the world with Kirkham Grammar pushing them really hard and then this is probably right who's now going to come and, and if we can get kind of three four teams there, and obviously RGS Newcastle they, there's more teams emerge up there now and you know Sedbert not getting it all their own way and and certainly under you know since Lee Dixon's gone in there Barnard Castle have, have really shot forward and again Tony Jackson, headmaster, a former former Oxford Blue, so someone who's I'm sure keen for the first fifteen to go well. So yeah, exciting game there. So yeah, I think I think that's going to be a, a really cool one up at um, up at Barnard Castle. Um, there's a few I just want to kind of rattle through because the first schools cup game of the weekend, Oakham v Uppingham. I only really mentioned that because it's the Rutland Derby. I went to Uppingham. Oakham had a win at the weekend. Quite exciting. Um, yeah. Stowe heading to Arundel. Obviously, Stowe want to want to make a bit of an impression early on. Bromsgrove to Thomas Riches, Denston, St Peter's York. They're good games. Monmouth, uh, Cheltenham College, Bedford against Rugby. Millfield heading over to Blundells. That should be that should be quite interesting. I think Millfield will probably change up their squad a bit. Um, you know, Shep really likes to to give guys an opportunity. Radley College against Sherburn, an opener for both. Um, be exciting as well just to see Kirkham get an opener um, their game at the weekend cancelled but they're heading off to um, to Lancaster RGS um, and then obviously RGS Guildford I want to see them again hosting Wimbledon College Wimbledon College had a bit of a tough outing last time against uh, against St Paul's who were just absolutely fantastic but um, yeah we, we want to see what RGS Guildford can do yeah. um, one that I think stands out for me a little bit um Probably not one that people are going to shout and scream about, but Eton College against St Paul's, classic game. You know, two of the most famous names in in schools. Forget forget the rugby part, um, but also two sides that had very good uh, very good outcomes at the weekend, and I think probably have a decent amount of promise for the season ahead. So I think yeah, one will probably learn a little bit from that one. Harrow hosting Dulwich College, uh, first game of the season for for Dulwich, um, and historically a massive fixture. Um, but Harrow, I mean, I guess it, yeah, we we expect Harrow to probably come out on top of this Dulwich 
certainly in the last couple of years haven't been quite where they were once upon a time. But of course, year on year, you you never do quite know. But be interesting just to sort of see how that one how that one shakes out. Stanford against Haleybury, obviously both with victories at the weekend. Two sides that I think have got plenty of promise. Stanford are probably screaming and shouting about not being our top five as well. I think they were in my original one as well. I don't know what's happened here. I've put I'll teams in and put teams I'll out. It's terrible. Um, RGSO, Wickham, St. John's, Leatherhead, we've already mentioned, but that would be a cool one. Just you know, two sides on the wrong end of, of really close uh, close games last week. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be another close one for the two of them. Um, and then obviously Clifton College against Old Swinford Hospital. That could be massive. We've talked about it a little bit already, but that's that's a potentially cracking fixture, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fascinating one, I think, in terms of, you know, to continue with the theme of, of we'll learn about it. So we'll learn a bit about how is this a really strong ultimate hospital group? Um, and if 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 Clifton do win comfortably, then I think that would really put an exclamation point on, on just how strong the Clifton College group is. Um, I just want to do a few of the shout outs to some of the guys that got in touch with us on um, on Instagram. Um Bradford Grammar School, uh, off to a good start, away at Ampleforth College, a bit of a Yorkshire derby there. They're hosting Stonyhurst at the weekend. Cheltenham College, of course, that victory against Bloxham. They now head to Monmouth, who, of course, were part of that great game against Hospital. Um, Eastbourne College got in touch. Uh, very excited. They've got two games this this week. They're actually playing this afternoon against Worthing College in the in the bars before taking on Sutton Valence on Saturday. Big challenge that both of those for Eastbourne College because both Worthing and Sutton Valence are, are sort of um, climbing up the ranks. Worthing developing a pretty close relationship with Quinns and Sutton Valence, equally so with with um, with Saracens. So that's going to be uh, that'll be that'll be an interesting an interesting week for Eastbourne College. We'll we'll learn a lot about them, I think. Uh, Gravesend Grammar are desperate for us to preview their game against Maidstone Grammar. I can't really preview it that much because we've not we've not got enough info really to give it any any great depth but uh, both teams have got Vars games this afternoon against uh, so Gravesend playing Trinity Seven Oaks Maidstone playing Tunbridge Wells Grammar uh, I think it, if they can get some momentum from that heading into Saturday um, they'll be feeling pretty confident um, which whichever side gets that momentum from, from midweek so uh, we'll see how that one all shakes out uh, shout out to Moncton Coombe as well they were very that we we didn't have their result early on, and then the, about fifty five people got in t- got in touch with me to let me know that they'd uh, they had a great victory over at Kings Bruton thirty three five. So Thomas Rich's under fifteens they beat Clifton College. Clifton had never lost at that age group, um, as in that group of fifteens hadn't lost as fourteens etc. Um, so fair play to Sir Thomas Rich's. Looks like they're a side to to keep an eye on going forward. Uh, Trent College wanted a shout out about their game against Loughborough Grammar on Saturday because their opener against Nottingham High School, a bit of a derby, was cancelled. Uh, and Skinners were keen for us to have a look at their game against John Fisher. And actually, I will just have a a little bit of a a little bit of a look at that because that's that's two schools that have a propensity every now and then to just punch miles above their weight. Skinners, we saw it last year, beat Tunbridge. John Fisher, of course. I mean, they've got a, a, a ridiculous, a ridiculous history. Um, have had some some absolutely incredible teams down the years. Um, but that'll be that'll be a cool one, I think. That's two two teams that, for want of a better way of describing it, care an awful lot. Yeah, and again, two two of the 
certainly in the south of England, two of the strongest state school programs um, over the last 10, 15 years. And, and you know, John Fisher, that would have hurt that result against Eton, you know, a few years ago, they would have, those results would have been completely reversed. You know, they would have been expecting to, to, to win that game. You know, since Matthew Gold moved on to Abingdon, they, they potentially haven't hit the heights, despite the fact they've had some great players, you know, Corosanya with, with the 20s, uh, Ben Waghorn signing for Queens last year. They've got a good group um, in there this year, so, so that'll be a great game. A lot of those other games, I mean, that that the, the Cheltenham-Monmouth game, that's a really old historic fixture. That'll special be a, fixture. Uh, lots of emotion in that. Yeah, you know, that, that Bradford against Stonyhurst, you know, there's a lot of those games I've been again and having beaten Ample Forth and and that, that that Kent Grammar School derby that'll mean a lot to those those guys. I can imagine a few of them might again they might have known each other, might have sat endlessly, I don't know, in terms of Endra's exams around this around the same time, might play club rugby together and stuff like that. So, you know, good luck in their vases and sorry we couldn't give it more of a preview, but as you said, we just we just don't have enough information yet, you know. But it's uh no, it's some some loads loads of cool games going on around the country. Oh, it's it's incredible, you know, and that's what it's all about, you know, with there are literally hundreds of games going on today and there are several hundred games going on the last sort of bit we're going to talk about which is we are going to be picking out a uh, a team of the best players that we've we've sort of seen or or worked with at school level um it it's going to be roughly speaking from 20 sort of 2012 onwards but we'll 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 take on board some uh, some thoughts from from a few years before that, but kind of the last the last ten years is what we're going to look at, and what you'll see through that is that some of the um, some of those schools that you know they may not be the strongest in the country right now, but they've had they've had times and, and periods where they really have been the absolute best, and you'll see that reflected in some of the players we debate. So Dan, this week it's the front row. We're picking the entire front row. <laughs> Dream. This is this is tricky. This is tricky. On a number of levels, front rowers often don't necessarily stand out unless you're working closely with them because a lot of their work is, you know, not fancy stuff. However, there are a few players that certainly I'm going to argue the case for who really do do the fancy stuff. There's some pretty cool players in this mix. Yeah, and I think one thing to add is we're going we're gonna to focus on, I think, what they did as schoolboys. There's obviously a lot of guys who come through rugby's a late maturity sport people come through 19 20 21 you know, and probably props you know not looking to you know, get first team experience until mid 20s would be a kind of average point obviously some guys get experience before that you, just, you alluded to finn earlier having you know, played some first team rugby at harlequins in, in his first year out of school that's but that's not the norm for a for a front row player. So I think that's important that we're we're not talking about what they do in a professional shirt, in an academy shirt, um, in a age grade international shirt. We're going to focus on, on kind of what they did for their school, um, and and that's that's kind of where I think we're we're going to focus this. So let's let's get started again. The the kind of let's get started. Lou said, um, yeah, chat about some names. So so when you get uh, so, us off, I well I threw out. Three names. One of them yep. we've already mentioned. We've already mentioned Seba Denner and Alule. Um, yeah, yeah had a great, a great early career at Whitgift, and then and then moved to Wellington College, and um, had some absolute barnstorming games. I think he actually, I think he played across the front row during his time. It's it's a while ago yeah. now, but I think he yeah. did actually feature kind of across it. But I've 
So I've lumped him in at loose head, but you know, take your pick kind of thing. Um, and then the other, the other two I, I threw into the mix were were Bevan Rod up at Sedba and Ben Urbano at Dulwich. But Benno, of course, played you know a huge amount of time at number eight and um, and slotted in all over the place. I mean, frankly, as a schoolboy, could have probably played in the centres if he wanted to. Um, but you've thrown another few into the mix, and we've we've had a think about some others. Um, you know, you got the the Ben Solomon's twins. Yeah, um, they were phenomenal for Wicked. Absolutely, absolutely Johnny Laterly at Caterham, like phenomenal. Um, Phil Brantingham uh, from RGS Newcastle, Will Hobson, um, obviously you worked with at, at Wellington College, and then and then Mako Vinopola, who who doesn't quite meet our um, our criteria of being kind of in the last ten years, but I think it's worth a discussion about it. him and Henry Thomas playing loose head and tight head for Millfield, and I think it was around about two thousand and eight. Oh uh, um, yeah, that is the Lindsay Hay team. That that Millfield team was outrageous. I mean, particularly at sevens, but you know they Millfield's not. You know, Shep's had some incredible teams over there, and it'd be interesting to speak to him about you know what he feels was his best group. But that that group would have to be pushing it, surely. Um, gotta think so. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was just imagine coming. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're a 17, 18 year old kid and you, you turn up and you know, you're a front rower, you might not be that big yet, and you suddenly see that you're playing against Mako Funapola and Henry Thomas as your you know, two two thirds of your opposition front row. That is yeah. um that's fairly terrifying. Fairly terrifying and also highly skilled. It's the worst combination of all to be facing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it, it's a challenge and, and I think you know, you talked about Benno there, uh, Benno Urbano at, at, at Dulwich. You know, there's a, there's a bit of a, some really good loose heads will, will play, all really good front rowers will spend time outside of their front row shirt for, for their school because schools will, the scrum is a bit depowered. But for, you, know, you can only go a metre and a half and the 19, you can only you can only go 45 degrees. So sometimes it makes more sense to get those guys in at eight, get those guys in at 12. Um, you know, and that's that's not a new thing. You go back to you know, World Cup winner Andrew Sheridan did that at Dulwich, and then they, they repeated that model with with Ben Urbano and um, and later with, with with Josh O. But it's I think stand out in a, in a schoolboy shirt is, is and, and I whilst he played what well, I'm leading to whilst he played a lot of rugby at eight for his school, I think in terms of what what Ben Urbano did for that Dulwich team makes him the guy for me you know with again as you said Bev and Rod Johnny Ben Solomon probably the honourable and Will Hobson's the honourable mentions but yeah I'd probably land there uh I don't know what you're what you're thinking yeah I mean I mean I want to I want to give a shout out to Phil Brantingham actually just because he he was brilliant for RGS Newcastle but he was it, that St Joseph's Festival tournament uh what was it 2019 I think 19 um, yeah he was he was outrageously good. I, I can't actually remember off the top of my head. He may have got player of the tournament. He did um, get player of the tournament. Was, yeah, he did get. I think the, the first promo sensational. Is he? Is he moved to? The, he was a tight end at that he's, point. I know he started he's, for Falcons. He gone to. Luke he Denver. started at least for Falcons. Yeah. Okay, well, so maybe then, we maybe yeah. we chuck him into the tight head conversation then. There we go. Yeah. We'll think about yeah. that. <laughs> we'll keep we'll keep keep branding him in the back pocket. Um, obviously, just in the context of that St Joe's tournament, Will Hobson. Yeah, you worked unbelievably closely with him um, during your time there, but he he was again 
brilliant in that St. Joe's tournament because you had bodies that were just falling apart by the end of it. And he seemed like he was almost sort of last man standing, human sort of wrecking ball, just taking on, taking on all of the team's problems onto his own shoulders and just fronting up. Yeah, yeah. Will was amazing that week. I mean, you talked about that, the Millpool front row with with Mako and, and Henry. And, you know, at, at that point, yeah, we had Finn Baxter, who's gone to Loosehead now at, at Tighthead. And you, you had Will Hobson as an, as an option at Loosehead. You also had Lucas Brook at that point, who's playing hooker for us, who's now a professional back rower. Um, and actually, other guys like Ali Heaney, who's gone on to, you know, be linked with, with Munster. So ridiculous front row options in, in that side. So, so spoiled. But it's... I think, you know, Will was a shame that, you know, he didn't get his upper six year and he, and he carried a few injuries to his lower six year. But but that weekend at, at St. Joseph's, you know, he kind of showed a lot of people what he what he was all about. The semi-final against Kirkham, um, uh, the final against Kirkham, sorry, uh, stands out for me. And, so, you know, he, he got us going. He ran an incredible line close to the ruck. Uh, I think the stream is still like them. Yeah, it's a great... It's a great I remember moment. it well, yeah. Uh, yeah, of kind of... And again, just it's... It's even more for people who aren't aware of you know, St. Joe's, you know, two days of kind of back to back 20 minute games. Everyone's exhausted. Um, you know, we, I remember our fullback, Hector, had, had two had two dead legs, and how he was able to move was beyond me. And so, how to see guys running hard and being that physical was was just phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, I think he, he gets it. But as I said, it's I'm aware I'm trying to cut out my internal bias of, of knowing the guys I know as characters. And I think. I just remember watching that Dulwich side with, with Benno in it and just and just being just blown away by how he took the side on his back whenever they were in trouble. Um, and so, so yeah, that, that stood out to me. I think maybe, you know, Will slightly happy, but the fact he had such high quality around him and maybe Bev and Rod the, the same, you know, in, in some ways, Benno had some really good plays in that, in that Dulwich side, but it felt like he, he was so pivotal to, to what they did. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think it was always going to come down to a choice of, Abano or Rod. Rod, Rod for me was, well, it is, but you know, as a, as a schoolboy, he was unbelievably highly skilled. He was, he was like a sort of second coming of Mako Vunapola in many ways. Um, yeah. j- just able to, able to play as a, as a link man, um, rather than a traditional front rower. And actually at the time, his frame, it, sometimes it came across as a bit of a shock that he was playing in the front row because he, he was, he wasn't your traditional front row shape. Um, but I think you make the point that is why I was already leaning towards Benno Abano as well, which is that while all of these, all of these guys had, had really good players around them, Benno Abano to me was the player. He was, he was the man that, that, that kind of Dulwich success was, was almost built around. Um, yeah, he, he terrified opposition. He was, t- I mean, he was, he was almost shocking to watch at times. He, he had so much power for such a young man from such a young age as well. He broke into that Dulwich College first team, I think, as an under 16. Um, and, you know, in, in the heavy duty stuff of the front row, that's that's actually pretty, pretty unusual. So I think we're settled on, on Loosehead, Benno Urbano, Dulwich College, three Schools Cup winners medals around his neck. Difficult yeah. to argue with that one. Yeah, and a nice point you made that, that, Again, and there's not that we're alluding to there's anything wrong with joining a school of sixteen, lots of, but it's nice that he went all the way through the school. That you know, and and that I think you sometimes that means the badge means a little bit more to boys, and maybe we saw that with Benno in in the Dulwich shit, right? On to on to Hooker, 
Well, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're going to go tight head because, okay. because right. I, I can see a debate coming at Hooker. So let's, okay. let's, let's go tight head. Um, okay. And so I, what I've done here, I throw, I threw in uh, Josh Ibunoke of Dulwich College yeah. as a, as a tight head, because on the rare occasions that um, Sam Howard fielded both of his superstar props at prop, yeah. that was the way around they went. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I wanted to make sure that he at the very least got a shout out because um, yeah. he was he was he was a phenomenon. Um, we've also we've spoken about Phil Brantingham, um, and we we've thrown him into the tight head mix. Um, Marcus Street down at Exeter College, not yeah, that widely known, I think, in the sort of in schoolboy circles, partly because he was part of the ACE program. But yeah. worth noting that at the same year that Marcus Smith got picked for England under 20s as a schoolboy. Marcus Street did exactly the same. He just happened to be playing at prop, so people get a little bit less excited. He was a very, very good schoolboy. Yeah, and I think, you know, for guys that were watching the Prem, you know, he, he started, he, he's now, it takes a while for props to, to physically mature and, and fill their frame. And, you know, he's been introduced really well by Chiefs, and, and I think he was really good uh, in, in that win. Over time, this could be his breakthrough as a pro, uh, and and he was he was standout as a as a schoolboy. We you know some ace guys may get overlooked. There's a huge amount of you know, hooker. You know we could talk again. Luke Cowan Dickey in his time at Truro was was phenomenal. Another name we could talk about there, but it's yeah tight head there. Look, I've it's hard for me to separate. You know, Phil Brantingham was, was superb. There's probably two two guys I've I've had the fortunate to to work with. Oh, uh, uh, Harry Williams, who's also down Chiefs, was, was superb. But as a schoolboy. For me, Finn Baxter just jumps off the page. Um, now, again, I'm incredibly fortunate to have had the privilege to to work with with Finn for two years, so it gives you more insight. But his work rate again is it was just phenomenal. Like the the amount he gave the team, but also his leadership. You talked about Bevan Rod's core skill set. You know, Finn has that the ability to you know not just Finn can run over you, Finn can put someone into a gap. Uh, and his his maturity, you know, as as a as a leader, I think I remember. So again, to go back to that St. Joe's game, we conceded a try against Kirkham in the in the final, and, and you know, led by you know Carla's kind of head coach at, at that time. Like, important the boys led it, and it's emotional. It was a national final, and and Finn just got the boys in very calm, just pointed out that we've just made this defensive error, just fix that, trust ourselves, trust our system. This is what we're going to do. We're going to kick here. This is what we're going to try and play, and that. That stands out. Not many eighteen-year-olds can can do that. Not many eighteen-year-olds have what Finn's physical gifts were, but even fewer have the physical gifts plus that maturity to lead and understand the game. So, for me, Finn Baxter is is the standout um, across that time. Um, with again, Harry Williams, again Ben Solomon. I actually think in that in that Clifton Millfield game, uh, there's <laughs> there's actually some guys out there playing this year who can yeah. push that. But I, I would. You know, nail my colours firmly to, to, to Finn, Finn Baxter on, on that one. Well, that's why I wanted to jump straight to Tyhead because ultimately, uh, it, to me, it wasn't it wasn't that big a contest. Uh, Finn Baxter is, you know, of the last decade, he's the standout. He's the standout Tighthead. Um, yeah, I think he ha- he has, and, and as a schoolboy, had pretty much everything you'd want. That leadership, I think, particularly is what makes him stand out. The only the only other guy kind of on our list that I think sort of fits that mould is 
is Phil Brantingham in terms in terms of a leadership yeah. context, but but I think in terms of when you then add to that what what unfolded on the pitch, I think Finn then then stands up just a just a level above even even that of someone like like Brantingham. Um and and the bit with, with Finn that I could be wrong on, but but it's always something that struck me is he, he has that he has that baby face. And that could lead to him being underestimated yeah, by by a lot of by a lot of people because you know you you look young and and people go kind of because you look young they probably assume you you're a bit soft because that's just what people are like um, and so despite what was probably a bit of a bit of unconscious prejudice against him in that front being a front rower um, he's he's still just performed at such a high level got such such great recognition. For oh, his time, yeah. and I, I just think you know he he excels in every area that you'd want you'd want a schoolboy to to excel at, let alone a let alone a let alone a rugby player and let alone a front rower. Yeah, and as similar as I said with Bev and Rod, you know, in that they can do stand out bits in in the loose, but you don't go and have a successful professional career. No, but you don't go and have a, if you can't do your core job. And yeah, fitness is the Bottom line that the Finbacks has got that shit. We'll move on to the bigger debate at hooker, but yeah, a standout in in that position. I again, as I say, one of the great privileges of of my coaching career to have had two years just just watching him develop, uh, which was which was superb. Right, hooker. Here we go. <laughs> right. Okay, go on, you go. Well, we've got a short list of four, which I think is going to very quickly become a short list of two. Um, so just a a shout out to. To the two that probably aren't going to be the two yeah. we're debating about: Henry Walker of Bromsgrove, Skipper yeah. Bromsgrove when they when they won the schools cup. Um, Bromsgrove actually ended up with two pro hookers coming out of the same team. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bet cutting up at up at Worcester Warriors as well. Um, but Walker was the was the leader of that side and 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 a real standout. And Sam Riley at um, St George's College Weybridge, who um, was was an absolute. Phenomenon. I mean, he 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 was the man in that team, um, yeah. and, and by such by such a distance, um, and in a in a year that in any other year rather he would have been absolutely the man. Everyone would have been would have been talking about it, but he was overshadowed because there was a man by the name of Alfie Barbary, or a boy at the time by the name of Alfie yeah. Barbary. At Bloxham in the same year group, who was just doing freakish things, uh, and it's Barbary and Jack Walker from Prince Henry's Grammar School, who's now at Harlequins, who are probably the two we're going to end up going back and yeah. forth a bit on. Yeah, and I think just you know, with Sam, Sam was again someone I probably saw a decent, and when I was at Case from a bit bit of up close and personal, and with. You know, Ben Johnson, former Saracens International, running that programme. Actually, a school you know, Watson Brothers have come out of. Sam, again, as I've mentioned, just took that team on his back, took them to some silverware. Um, so, you can't, you know, in terms of schoolboy performances, you can't take that for granted. But I think that might be why we come back to Alfie again, because in terms of won a slightly harder cup uh, with his with his team. Um, other ones I'd give a shit, kind of some younger guys who are pushing. I, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, Ollie Burroughs, a couple of yeah. years ago, came, came, came out of Millfield, uh, now making his way uh, at Exeter Chiefs. Again, maybe 
didn't quite shine as much because there there were some standouts around him. So he wasn't like that in terms of, um, you know, you and Richards uh, in that team, uh, Dan John, people like that, uh, Will Joseph in that team. So, but Ollie Burroughs, I think, someone who could have a bright future and was superb um, young Welsh player. Jack Walker versus Alfie Barber, I think you're right, is the conversation. That's the one. In my, it's kind of like, Jack was Alfie before Alfie was Alfie, if that, if that makes sense. So probably guys who are at school won't have been aware of Jack as, as a schoolboy. So you know, Jack played an age grade above himself internationally. Jack actually captained Lee Tykes, who were then in the Premiership um, before he turned 18. Um, so in some ways, more standard, you know, got fast track to the team. I think to go back to what I said at the start, basing it on what they did for this school, you could argue Jack Walker's schoolboy career was more impressive, playing more first-team rugby, playing international. But I think what Alfie did at that Bloxham programme, playing eight and 12, switching in a final, and I think probably for achievements at school, in their school shirt, I would go to Alfie just about, I think. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, Jack was a, Jack was a hooker. Yeah. He was always yeah. a hooker and ex- excelled in that line. position. Whereas, yeah, Barbary played, I mean, basically everywhere. Um, <laughs> take, take your pick. Um, Walker, I more, more tri- I suppose, as given by the fact that he played a hooker the whole way through, but more, more of a traditional hooker, I would say, in terms yeah. of, in terms of what, what you would imagine a hooker yeah, would be doing. Yeah, great work all the way through. That's important. Um, yeah. Um, but Alfie was, I mean, uh, above all else, he was a try scoring machine as a schoolboy. Mm-hmm. I used to get emails through from, from parents at Bloxham going, yeah, Alfie's just broken the Bloxham try scoring record. It was like October. He'd already scored more tries in a season than anyone at, at Bloxham had ever done. And, and he, um, he did, he did that throughout that season, just kept adding and adding and adding to that total. Um, and I think that was his lower sixth year. I think it was ending up a sixth. He did it again. It was it was freakish stuff. Um, yeah, choosing between them is it's so hard. And I know we're looking at this from a schoolboy context, but it is really pleasing. However, the last twelve months we've finally seen Jack Walker start to actually get a proper footing in a team and get become yeah. the number one at Quinns because yeah, you know, he moved from Yorkshire to Bath, and then he. He just couldn't get a game at Bath. And yeah, there are good hookers there, of course. But you always felt someone's just got to give him a run of games because he's he's so good. Um, yeah, he, he, it feels. I think it looks like he's found his home. Obviously, we, we don't don't know him, but it's yeah, it's there. And, and it is it's a, it's really nice to say as as keen observers of the schoolboy game when when guys do come through. It's and even when they have you know, when it's been a, been a rough patch in the middle, but it's it's been really nice to see to see Jack Walker come back through and you know be back in an England conversation which is which is super yeah yeah it's amazing but oh, yeah I think I lean the same way as you I can't I can't I can't not see Alfie Barbary's name on a piece of paper and go he should be anything other than starting in whatever fictional team I'm putting together because he just it, he was extraordinary and he was extraordinary in a in a school that you know traditionally is not fighting up at the top end you know, Walker was at, at Prince Henry's Grammar, who nowadays perhaps people don't know so much about, but back at the time they were they were part of the Ace uh, Colleges Leagues. 
uh, colleges league rather. Um, so yeah, he was playing that level of rugby. Uh, so there were a lot of people, I mean, the entire front row actually ended up turning pro from that team. Um, Lewis Boyce and Paul Hill as well. Um, in fact, we should probably have given both of them a mention, Lewis Boyce yeah, and Paul I Hill. Just, I forgot I about thought. that. <laughs> um, yeah, Paul Hill. Yeah, they they were all standout. So again, there's and another lad who's just popped into my head is Fel, Felstead's Aaron Painter at tight head as well. But um, Jesus, yeah, the um, the hooker position, I think it just goes to Al, to Alfie Barbary, um, which leaves us with a front row: Loosehead, Benno Abano from Dulwich College, hooker Alfie Barbary from Bloxham, tight head Finn Baxter from Wellington College. Yeah, I don't think, I think, that, I don't think you can argue with that. No, I think what well, you, you definitely again some of those guys you mentioned late there, you know, Aaron Painter was was standout for us. A bit of recency bias that oh, look, Finn is that knowledge. I think that's there. Maybe recency bias around Hooker, but you know what he did for that again. Let's focus on what they did for their school at that time. And it's as I said, those you know, Aaron's gone on that fantastic professional career. But I think yeah, what they did in their rep- respective school shirts. People have different opinions. Let us know about them, you know. And we hundred percent. Let us know who we've forgotten. Again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd certainly take that back row, uh, take that front row, and uh, and and trust it to a to a good job on any pitch. Well, there we go then. So our front row for our we need to we need to work out what we're calling this team. Something that flows a bit better than the best team that we've seen since twenty twelve. <laughs> I'll think of something that, that really, yeah, yeah, really makes it zip. Yeah. But the uh, the front row for our team then, Benno Obano, Alfie Barbary and Finn Baxter. Let us know, as we say, if you uh, if you disagree or if there's anyone we've forgotten about or just who would who would make yours on at Next Gen 15. Next week is the second rows and there are going to be some phenomenal players there. But until then, Dan, it's been awesome to, to chat again. Really looking forward to the weekend. Um, it's going to be good fun. I was going to see if I can get your prediction on Wellington v Whitgift, but you know what? I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you. Thanks for that time. Appreciate it. Um, But that's it for for this week. Uh, You'll be able to catch us next week as well, and you'll be able to catch this week's on YouTube, Acast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Get in touch at NextGen15 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'll be back next week. Please, once again, send in your Instagram uh, thoughts, questions, topics that you want to hear about. Uh, it's a great way of getting us to to focus on some of the things that we might have missed. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, but until then, have a great weekend and we will uh, look forward to watching the rugby at the weekend. Yeah, catch you next week. Cheers.